0: Welcome back to Rupture Radio. This week we're back with a full panel to discuss the news and politics of the week. Um, over the last number of months we've had uh, we've been doing a lot more of our At The Roots interview series, uh, digging deeper into topics such as the housing crisis, socialist feminism, as well as international interviews on Cuba, Sweden and more. Um, but it's it's good to be back doing the, the old fashioned rupture panel. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do some more of these now. Thanks to our Patreon community. We're now hoping to get some regular professional uh, sound editing on the podcast, freeing us up a bit more. So thanks a million to all of those supporting us on Patreon, helping us keep the show on the road. Uh, and if you haven't already, please do consider chipping in at uh, patreon.com forward slash Rupture Radio. Uh, anyway, uh, that's enough of the bucket shaking for now. Uh, let's uh, introduce the panel. Uh, I'm Kane Brandoval, I'll be the host uh, for today. And this week I'm joined by uh, Rupture regular Dave Murphy.
1: Hey Kane.
0: Uh, we have Rupture regular as well, Diana O'Dwyer. Hiya. And l- long time listener first-time caller, uh, um, uh, Michelle Byrne, Unite activist, campaigner with uh, Uplift.ie and podcaster on a week at work as well. How are you doing? Oh, just
2: delighted to get a week off from the week off work, you know what I mean? Like, they <laughs> let me know, third. I'm on loan for the week,
0: so yeah. delighted to be here. Well, you're, 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 you're on the transfer market there and we snapped you up, you know? <laughs> yeah,
2: who's next, you know? Anyone on the, anyone listening?
0: <laughs> and uh, actually, yeah, because the two podcasts launched basically at the same time ourselves and yourselves had the same idea how have you, have you found a year and a bit into podcast and how have you found it
2: well it was grand like me when we all i'm sure we, we obviously both started this during lockdown now and now things are starting to to ease up and like when you when you run a podcast that mostly records at the weekend you know the the head's going to be a bit sore um when things are starting <laughs> up we go find again but um no it's been great and it's been great to kind of keep the conversations going because you're like you did miss a lot of those kind of organizing chats, and did miss a lot of those kind of um, political chats that you would have had maybe over a pint or met someone after a protest and had the chats there. Um, so it is nice, and people are listening, and you know we get a lot of messages afterwards, giving out or agreeing. Yeah. And it, it's been it's been really enjoyable. It's been and some great guests as well. Like it's a great opportunity to kind of chat to people that you wouldn't have had this conversation before, and obviously with the the podcast format, you can you can ring ring around anyone.
0: Yeah, i I found. Um, it's a lot more work It's like a It's like a dog Is not just for Christmas It's for life Podcasting is a lot more work Week in, week out There's a grind to it That you uh, um, More more than I was expected At the start, you know Yeah,
2: it's not just as simple As turning the mics on
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Um, But yeah and, and how's everybody else doing? Are you, Dave, you're off on holidays I believe from tomorrow So this is your, your last act
1: As soon as this podcast ends I'm on holidays, yeah <laughs> So, yeah uh, it probably forced. I was thinking about. It, it was probably my first holiday since, because of all lockdown, I didn't take time off. Because what was the point, you know, and like just wasting your holidays. So we've got to a stage now where it's probably about eighteen months since I've had a week off, like five days oh, in a row. Yeah, uh, so I'm looking forward to it.
0: That's not very socialist now. We st- we fight for we we fight for weekends and holidays, Dave. <laughs> we we should take them, you know. <laughs> and where are you, what are you doing? Where are you? What are you doing for your holidays? Uh, I'm I'm
1: doing. Like, exactly the reason why I didn't take holidays last year was because I couldn't do anything, but, like, I'm taking a week and a half off to, like, literally sit at home. I may go and visit a couple of historical sites that I have mapped out, Trim the Castle, a few other places that are quite local to me. Um, But apart from that, um,
0: I'm... Visiting the the square the Tala square I'll go, sure. to,
1: I'll go to the square in
0: Talla. Yeah. don't
2: say you're staying too local though someone might
0: call you back in from your holidays <laughs>
2: yeah
1: yeah, I'll have to walk past the office on the way to the square you know so I'll have to put the hood up and sneak past
0: uh-huh. and uh, anybody what, what, is, what have you been up to anybody uh, watch it, was, were you watching the Olympics were you into any of that stuff
1: I, I was a major bandwagon jumper like so I'm all like, I watched the Euros a few weeks ago, and now I'm back on, like, All Olympics, Boxing Expert, you know. Um, but, uh, like, I thought, like, there was the welcome home for Kelly Harrington uh-huh. yesterday, which I thought was good. Like, it showed, like, all people in the inner city coming out, but then, like, you have all the politicians trying to, like, get reflected glory off her. When, on, you know, like, you see this thing with the boxing club, all the kids who are inspired by her now want to join the local boxing club where she started off but apparently like there's no money for the club there's no like female toilet um, in the club like so it's just like really you know shoestring budget type of thing
0: yeah but sporting facilities in Ireland are like Grossly underfunded. It's it's and like, then
1: the only like two years ago, Shane Ross got 150 grand to get a hockey pitch put in into Wesley College, which already charges people like nine grand a year. So he gave them 150 <sighs> grand. They already have four rugby pitches, a floodlit rugby grid, sixteen tennis courts, two full-size hockey astro turf pitches. Two hockey grit pitches, two cricket pitches, a gym, a sports hall, a soccer pitch, and an athletics track, and they got 150 grand. While this boxing club doesn't have like a, a female toilet,
0: a, a a pot to piss in, I think <laughs> is the official phrase. <laughs> there's
1: obviously another 20 million going to the greyhounds as well, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Um. So, uh, so what's what are they? What are the big news items? What should we talk about? The big Diana, were you following the? this IPCC report coming out apparently we're all in
3: yeah I was looking at it a little bit alright I mean I think it doesn't really tell us that we didn't already know like at this stage I'm almost tuned out of the specifics of it like how much The temperature is going to increase by what date or, like, you know, how much the sea level is going to rise. Like, basically, we've known for ages that it's really bad and that nothing is basically been done about it by all the governments of the world. And I think, like, the main significance of this at this stage um, of this report is that this report has been agreed by every government so they've all agreed that yes collectively they've agreed that we're completely screwed and that i think at a very best case scenario is going to be one and a half degrees of warning inevitable by 2034 which is in like 13 years time and i was just thinking about that like i've got two kids one is two and one is three so by the time they're teenagers the climate is going to be really badly screwed up and that's like the it's already getting there, obviously, with, you know, just much more frequent natural disasters everywhere, heat waves. I was just seeing there today that the highest temperature ever recorded in Europe was in Sicily the other day. It was 48.7 degrees Celsius, which is just, you know, it's honestly unsustainable for human life if we keep getting um, temperatures like that in big parts of the planet. Um and I think what's really missing from this report is there's going to be a separate report, report three of these IPC reports, that's going to be laying out what they think the solutions to all this are. And that's really where the focus has to be, like, what are we actually going to do about all this? Um, and it seems like there's going to be quite a big emphasis on um, technological fixes to this with the whole like really scary kind of unproven technologies for removing carbon from the atmosphere that's already there um, rather than the, the type of massive system change that we need like and I mean I think that's the number one thing that we need to be focusing on now is like building a movement to completely change the whole system like even with COVID where you had a complete shutdown of basically discretionary consumption by people travel, shopping, eating out you know for months and months it's still only led to six or seven percent emissions reductions um, for the year, and so it really just shows like that it's the whole underlying economic system that needs to change. Like you can't change this by carbon taxing people's individual consumption, which seems to be like the sole idea that our government has here. You know, so it's it, another
0: big warning, basically, to us all. It is th- this thing because I saw this reference to what n- negative emissions technologies. Uh, or car- carbon capture which seems to be it's in this report it seems to be being pushed a bit more there and it made its way into the carbon uh what's it called the 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 climate action bill uh, it was one of the last amendments that the government were trying to push of this notion of like like Oh, technology will sort us out. We don't need to actually cut down on emissions. We don't need to tackle big business polluters. We'll just cross our fingers and hope that like some some magical technology will come along and, and save save the day, you know? Um but it does it does seem like they're last chance saloon, they're kind of rolling the dice and hoping that the techno fix.
2: Cork City are leading the way there you know they have their robo trees you know they're <sighs> going to save the day we're going to have these robo trees everywhere um, screw real trees because you know maybe they're not efficient I don't know if they met their KPIs last month um, so we're going to put in robo trees because you know uh, that'll fix that'll fix all of the issues but like oh it's actually scandalous like all this like capitalist infrastructure now that we're going to we're going to try build rather than actually have like nature fill those gaps of the whole crisis and I think as well, like, that whole notion of, like, the message I keep seeing coming out about this report, like, oh, it's human-caused, humanity is to blame, like, obviously, we know that it's not the individual's fault here, but, like, we have to start saying, like, it's capitalism's fault, it's the billionaires, like, you know, and I know there's loads of people are, like, you know, shocked for the first time, they're like, oh my god, doom and gloom, and, like, I'm like, look, we talk about, like, the individuals who you know, the capitalists are going to try and blame all the individuals. But, like, at the same time, those same individuals are probably thinking, oh, maybe one day I'll be, uh, I'll be able to amass enough wealth to be one of those billionaires. So don't tax the billionaires, because maybe one day I'll be able to do that. But, like, realistically, like, you know, if we have enough money to survive and drive, we're doing well. Like, this idea that, like, one day we will, like, you know, be rich enough to be one of these people that are being t- taxed the rich uh, labels, What's, it's just really odd how people push back against that.
0: There's that phrase that America is a, there's no working class in America, just temporarily embarrassed billionaires, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I will be a billionaire at some stage. <laughs> yeah, look, we can't
2: all be Rihanna, like, you know, she's just an <laughs> afterpass in the billionaire uh, line, but like, come on, how many Rihannas
0: are there? Or we can't all just jump on Elon Musk's rocket and get off the planet, like, you know, that seems to be their their new plan. Or did you see, that? did you see there was that report that said, like, Ireland is a... Is, uh, the rich are looking at Ireland as a possible place to like put, go to tra- travel to protect themselves from climate change. They'll be building like their their retreats on, on the hills uh, to try to protect themselves from it, the, the, was the, the was flooding in Ireland.
1: Is one, of the, one of the countries where you could survive because even with global warming they think you'll still be able to grow stuff. So like if you had to go full survivalist, like you get down your little bunker, you eat whatever tin goods you have there to get you through a few months but then when you re-emerge like The ground, like the soil, would still be okay. You could grow some, like relatively, like edible foods. But they all seem to be heading to New Zealand. I saw the guy from, was it one of the co-founders or CEOs of um, Apple or some big tech company? Anyway, has been granted New Zealand citizenship. That's where all the billionaires are heading and building retreats for themselves when society collapses.
3: Like I think one of the things this report is that like it's it's the least worst scenario and it's you know still awful. Um, like you can imagine just how much it was watered down. Like if every government in the world agreed to it, so like say some of the stuff that they haven't accounted for is like the impact of the melting of the polar ice caps on rising sea levels and temperatures and stuff. So like just leaving that out is massive, and uh, like that's why you know people think Ireland could still have an okay climate because if the whole um, ocean circulation system gets messed up, then they don't really know what's going to happen to the climate here we could be ending up like another ice age in Ireland or you know um, it's just really unpredictable as to what happens to the climate here if that happens you know so
0: it's all a bit scary yeah. and the other thing is just like the, the lack of ambition like even they say this they they all accept that that like we're facing they publish reports that say like if we don't do radical action we're facing disaster and then the actual targets that they have Are fall far short. Like the even if the Irish, like even if the Irish government hit its target of what is it, fifty one percent reduction by twenty thirty, that's like nowhere near where the amount of reduction that you'd need for like an advanced, economically developed, industrialised country. And Europe's target, I think, is like fifty five percent, and by twenty thirty as well. But like in reality, like Europe and the US and those major countries need to be targeting for like carbon neutral by, by 2030, for zero carbon emissions by 2030. So it's like, they just the they shocking lack of ambition, uh, and they're not even planning, they're not even talking ambitiously, never mind not doing it, like, you know?
2: Yeah, I swear, they, they should have to quantify um, what radical is before they're allowed to use that word in the context of climate action, because it's certainly not radical enough, like, not a hope.
0: Although the Lewis is leading the way. The Lewis, you know, implementing the free Lewis, that's a... A, a real concrete measure a sign of of the kind of radical action we need that they've made the lewis free it's great isn't it
2: stop i was coming back from my holidays during the week and hadn't a clue what was going on Um, was like literally on, on public transport looking at all of this on twitter I hadn't seen any of it and i was like oh my god i've to get onto a lewis is it free is this didn't realize it was like this whole like fake thing that was mm-hmm. just made up by carol kinsla wasn't it um who just said oh and well, i'd just love to start a campaign but like actually is really interesting to see because it's made people probably imagine things that they've never imagined before and maybe wouldn't have like engaged in that kind of political discussion before. Well, actually, why are we paying for public transport? Why, why, why isn't it free? Like, why, why wouldn't it be free? And, you know, I know it was all of a joke and all, but like there is definitely layers there where it, it made people radically, radically imagine something new.
1: Carol Kinsler doing more for climate change than the government. Twi- uh, random tweets. Um, <laughs>
0: Trolling. He's just trolling. <laughs> yeah. It was like you
1: know, I, the the um, like I think the government's reaction to it. Like it took them a day to come out. Like twenty four hours to come out and then um, react to the IPCC report. Like which shows like, like I think uh, Eamon Ryan was on the radio one morning before it was released. Then it was released, and then it was just like dead air. And then yesterday, Mihal Martin was out. Like yesterday evening, uh, with a, a a statement on it. But, like, it just shows, like, their lack of ambition, which is historically a thing. Like, there's all these the quotes about them being laggards and all this type of thing, you know. Um, but I do think, like, that the like we can look at, like, historical stuff from, like, the last, um, like, the Paris Climate Change Agreement when Enda Kenny was, like, the climate's not a priority for Ireland getting, like, the economy back is. Um, and then this time, like, the, the climate bill that was going through Recently, and somebody referenced it there, like, the last-minute amendments which are put in, which basically get, like, uh, agriculture and big farmers off the hook uh, because there would be a way that they can, um, I'm I'm just looking at it here, it says, like, it guts the whole bill because of how they can record, like, carbon captures and, um, so, like, that's like, you know, like if you have a climate bill, like in terms of the environment, like anytime like the Irish government come up with a good idea, they implement like the worst version of the good idea, like, you know, and think that's what they've done again. Like, so like they've, they're they talking about like, well, we have these legally binding targets, but then like in terms of like the method around them and how stuff will be uh, captured, like they've totally just like gutted and like undermined the whole bill that they've spent like, like months talking about and, and weeks trying to get past really, really quickly. And it looks like they're going to go for you know, like carbon taxes, which will, you know, just like hit poor people the hardest. Like when you have no alternative uh, options, really, like,
3: the thing about it as well as you know, like, if the Irish government is pulling that shit, like, probably the Irish government internationally looks like, oh, they have the Greens in government and, like, they're committing to quite radical climate action with big reductions in emissions. But, like, we live here, so we know the reality is that, you know, there's all of these loopholes in it. There's, like, you have to read the small print. And, like, every other capitalist government in the world is going to be at exactly the same thing. So even if they do agree stuff, which sounds like it's going to be fairly radical, it's, you know, it's not still not going to be any anything like what's needed to just completely change the whole basis of the economic system um, and there's just such a massive gap between, you know, all the, the talk around tinkering with things, reducing emissions by this much here and there and like the whole demand of the global climate movement that was emerging and um, very strongly before the whole um, COVID crisis, you know, system change, not climate change, like people know that this is all just the fiddling while Rome burns um, scenario, you know.
0: Well, we just have to hope that the that the ecosystem doesn't read the fine print. That the that the ecosystem just reads the headlines. That the Irish government is really serious about it and says, "Oh, that's grand. We, well, we won't the, have global warming." So, well.
1: the, the the people really reading the fine print are like Irish Farmers Association, like representing like the big farmers. So like they had a statement out on it where they were like, um, "You know, like there's this idea. Ireland's only a tiny country. Why should we do something uh, until and then random bigger country uh, is put in?" So like. Um, like they obviously come out. They had a statement. They would say, nah, we're all for like saving the environment," but then they're like, "There's no point in reducing production in a country like Ireland just to see it increase in regions which are not as efficient and can lead to greater deforestation." Which, like, there is a point to, but like, this is just like their way of saying, "Do nothing." Like, you know, <laughs> there's no point in us giving up or our changing our methods when like China or like what they'll point to Brazil obviously with the deforestation. Um, before they do anything, like you know, so it's just to keep the I don't know the the gravy train uh, rolling for them
2: yeah but they'll they'll blame China they'll blame China for pretty much anything they'll blame China but they'll still buy all the products that are coming in from China through Amazon and They'll blame the Amazon and the deforestation there, but they still be advocating for the or COSER deal to be signed so that we can have more trade in the area and be actually responsible for deforestation there directly. Like, it's, like this, <laughs> this like, pulling out the selective pieces of information that are useful to them for their argument is really interesting because, obviously, it's all connected at the same time. Um, and there's also another kind of, like, thread that i call kind of started to see, see slow, slowly creeping in a little bit around, like, You know, and I mentioned it already around like this, you know, it's human cause and all like there's like like kind of like thinly veiled eco-fascism kind of like coming out a little bit like about two weeks ago there um, on the other podcast, I was listening, I, I read an article from David Mac Williams. Um, and obviously his podcast is probably bigger than both of us combined, but his listenership. But he wrote a piece for, I think it was the Irish Times. And he was talking about like how demographics are falling in everywhere, but like Africa and all of this. And like how, and when we're talking about like people and the human cost or the human impact on the environment. I do really worry about where that's going to lead to. Um, and yeah, it's just, no one seems to really calling it out or like addressing it, but I need to be nipped in the bud as well. Did, did
0: you see the the Australian Prime Minister was out sort of like climate denying uh, in response to this IPCC report as well it's and like Australia has like it's literally has been on fire like I mean it's one of the worst affected by climate change but the right-wing prime minister is out just saying like I know leave it alone it'll be grand Uh, um that's yeah but it's like it's that phrase you know it's tough to convince somebody to believe something when their job depends on on them not believing it you know um i was like for big oil companies and the politicians that they fund uh they will always like they will always like uh, have a reason to try to deny it or to blame somebody else or to come up with an excuse and like like the last drop of oil in the ground will sell for a billion euros. So, like, the owner of that oil has a vested interest in trying to, like, keep it going, even though as a planet, as a society as a whole, we, we simply cannot... That, that oil, that gas needs to stay in the ground. Um, But that means, like, that big oil companies, and um, uh, uh, big businesses like that need to, like what they currently have on their balance sheets as being worth billions needs to be wiped out we need to tell them no you're not allowed to extract that oil and gas from the ground it has to stay on the ground and um, but that puts you on a certain head-on collision course with um with big business that are going to do everything in their power to uh to, to block radical action you know but the the other part that like is frustrating in all of this is that there, there's a potential here like climate climate change is usually presented as this oh big giant problem uh, um, and it'll mean carbon taxes it'll mean cutbacks in people's living standards but actually there's a possibility uh, um if you invested in green jobs um if you invested in a green new deal uh, um that actually you could be creating jobs you could be improving people's living standards retrofitting homes uh, um building like uh, zero carbon uh, housing uh, and actually like, creating a proper quality of life improving people's quality of life and doing things like making the Lewis genuinely free uh, um, not just in Karl Kinsler's head but in the real world you know uh, um, uh, uh, I like that tackling climate change can be a step towards can be part of improving people's quality of life as well you know
3: I mean, to me, as like a fundamentally lazy person, there's a huge appeal in this because like a big part of combating climate change is that people should work less and produce less and generally have more free time and time off. And like, I think that's a huge thing that should be pushed more, you know, Um, because I mean, there's been such very small reductions in people's working weeks or people's working weeks getting longer and, you know, people working longer but not having any better living standards like for decades and decades. Um, Even though, like, it's totally possible for everyone to to like spend the vast majority of their lives not actually working, but like doing more enjoyable things with their time, um, and contributing to just having a happier life and saving the planet at the same time. So, stuff like a four day week with no loss of pay, or like a thirty hour week no loss of pay, is really important, and just a general shift away from kind of. I suppose luxury consumption that only a tiny minority of the very rich engage in anyway and like the massive waste that goes along with capitalism just like the whole advertising industry you could like get rid of and like the you know 300 different types of washing powder like stuff that nobody cares about other than the people who own like washing powder companies you know I mean there's just a lot of fat to trim there that nobody would miss and then everyone can just kind of sit around chatting and you know just have much more enjoyable life Um, and I think that should be be a key part of our kind of socialist green new deal um, stuff as well, you know.
0: Socialism for the lazy, you know. <laughs> um,
2: We're really lazy,
3: more holiday. Uh, yeah, yeah the, that's always like a right wing thing. Is like, oh, socialists are all lazy. Yes,
2: we are. We should you <laughs> know, proudly
3: um,
0: adopt that. I think. <laughs> uh, um, Dave, t- could you tell us a bit uh, about the job bridge protest that was going on? Because that's kind of like connected. Instead of actually creating jobs, it seems that the government's plan is to just get people to work for free in chippers and deli assistants and cleaners and stuff. There was a protest there last week about it.
1: Yeah, so if people don't, haven't followed it, the government launched our new, um, like, faced with an unemployment crisis post-COVID, they've launched our new, like, Pathways to Work scheme, uh, which is a follow-on from a previous one. So people may remember Ten years ago now, um, the Gael Labor government launched like a war on young people, where they cut the dole for under twenty fives or under twenty sixes, and then they introduced all these uh, welfare to work schemes. Like so, people remember Eamon Gilmore saying that young if if young people weren't encouraged to or forced essentially uh, to go out and work for free, they'd be sitting at home in front of flat screen TVs with their with their feet up. So. Faced with a similar crisis in terms of unemployment, the government have gone and they've just like essentially reheated uh, one of their old schemes, uh, JobBridge, but they've given it the title the Work Placement Experience Scheme. Um, so you didn't even
0: it's Work Placement Experience Program. You program. Didn't, even you, yes. who's leading a campaign against it, can't remember what yeah, it's called. That's how catchy the name is. it a catchy, name, catchy like, the like, yeah. like JobBridge,
1: like you know. Um, so so they've 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 launched this campaign and. Um, so, so essentially, um, what it'll be is that if you're unemployed, you will go to work for 343 an hour for 30 hours a week for six months with uh, an employer who puts up this like internship or training uh, placement. And that employer will contribute be absolutely nothing uh, towards it um, and at the end of the week as i said you'll get 343 an hour on top of your dol so you'll be coming out with uh, 306 euro a week and the government have cynically done that so that it, it matches uh, minimum wage for a uh, for, for the week um but like, it
0: was it, well. It's not. You see, that's what they, they claim that they want to present it like that. But it doesn't because so, no, because it's not, it's not for a week because it's thirty hours. If you know what I mean, it's less exactly. than I, it's I, less than I, a minimum wage job. It's less than pop even. It's less than the three fifty pandemic unemployment so, payment yeah. was. And, I mean, and
1: obviously, our dollar is like a universal payment that you're entitled to. Anyway, so like, how they're including that in your yeah. overall figure when you're going out to do like your your thirty hours work a week. Um, it's it's not on. Um so yeah, so last week we had um so the advertisements started going up for this scheme and the government were like at pains to say, This is not Job bridge. this is not Job bridge." and then within like a couple of days of it going up the exact same type of positions that people were like really annoyed and angry about with the original Jobbridge scheme started appearing so uh to work in a deli to work as a four-court attendant uh to work in like laundrettes to work in retail and like um like so like It immediately, upon being released, looks the exact same as JobBridge and it's being abused the exact same way. The JobBridge scheme was abused and that's obviously uh, by design. That's how it's set up. So we had a protest outside um, Grafting Cleaners, a laundry uh, company in the city centre in Dublin last week. Because um, this guy was advertising for a garment presser. So it's somebody who, when people leave their laundry in to be done, will, like, fold the clothes, will look for stains. Like, it's an actual job that he's trying to get... Um. Something to do for free, um, and the owner of the place actually came out during the protest and um, admitted that he had an advertisement up for one pay, <laughs> and that if the scheme didn't exist, he would have advertised for two positions and hired somebody else and paid them. I,
0: I, I couldn't believe, like the guy. You can watch it on Twitter. You can watch the whole video. He came out. He was talking for like fifteen minutes, and like you just, he's just saying stuff, and you're like Jesus. Are you, like what do you not notice there's a camera on you what are you doing like you know what I mean? and he was saying like exactly like that that is literally against the rules of the scheme and he was saying oh yeah i had it up as on indeed as a job but then this scheme came along and i said oh maybe we'll see if we can get somebody in on that as well you know it's like uh, but it's down now they've after the protest i don't know if people have heard after the protest um on monday they pulled the ad down so we don't we don't know why yet but it's a uh, people power gets the goods, you know,
1: but like that guy was just like the honest face of it. So previously, like when, like with the original Jobridge scheme one, when we would have done, um, like protests before. So we did one at a super value in Dean's Grange and like, they were expecting us and the owner came out giving us cups of coffee, like, you know, trying to like buy us off with a few lattes, <laughs> you know? Um, but like th- they give this impression that did you, like, did,
0: did you take the soup? Did you we, take the we, soup? We, we, did that, so we, we did not take the
1: coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like usually they try to present themselves as like the great person because like they're giving someone a chance like I'm like I own this company look at me I'm a good guy I'm giving this person a chance to pick up experience in what is like a um, job I'm, assen-
0: I'm essentially a philanthropist like you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a, <laughs> I'm giving this guy a chance to fold clothes for free and you know, yeah, but, but, but flip but this guy burgers unpaid like, like you
1: know he was just like he was just like he forgot to put the mask on like you know and come out with all the stuff and he just came out and he was like yeah well I was going to pay someone to do it and then I took that ad Down, and I switched it around, and I can get something to do for free now. And like, he was like, the advertisements like that, like our campaign against it wanted to show you know, this is the reality of it, this is what they're doing, trying to get people to work for nothing so they can make more money. Essentially,
2: it's almost like he was so blatant and so like certain that he wasn't going to get in trouble for it because literally, like, we've just spent months in a pandemic where like businesses have been getting like huge, unquestionable, unquestioned business supports. barely checked grand funding and all of that, like we, we've set up the economy that businesses can just operate like that and feel secure in breaking the laws that are made, that are made really badly in the first place. Um, just so secure, been able to, to, you know, get up, get on the video and just say, yeah, not a are just breaking the law here. No shame. It's just mad. Yeah. And like, obviously, like, you know, I, like it was great to see the protests and all. Um, and it was great to see um, the Student Union as well in UCD join and stuff like that. Um, like as someone who's involved in um the youth committee now and unite and stuff like we really need to see like unions coming in behind this like you know um you know we've we've seen like huge campaigns against like the pension age and all of that but where is the equivalent for like young people and like you know um like I've, like even for example now like the congress uh youth committee isn't even functioning and it hasn't functioned for like two years so like none of the youth committees are talking shit around the country but like the unions need to start taking young people seriously as much as young people need to be taking unions seriously as well and getting active in them and pushing them um but yeah it's, it's even harder now to have that conversation never mind even organize a union campaign on it as well but like th- this gambridge campaign everyone needs to come in behind this you know like they've used this language of like as you say no one can remember the name of it because it's so bad work placement experience program but that is the language of like third level education or ty or you know uh apprenticeship programs where you you have like these programs that are laid out with like learning goals and like you know you have mentor support and you know you have to meet x y and z none of that kind of due diligence has been done on these kind of jobs not at all it's just like here stick them up say that you're going to train them in at least one thing and we'll, we'll let it go you know we'll let it on like what we really should be doing is like looking at making them into just transition jobs like why aren't we putting all this money that they're investing into that into actually creating jobs like obviously there's money there to do it so why do the same things didn't work before again and again like if they want to invest in training even if it isn't in jobs then scrap the apprenticeship fees. I think they're like a grand a year to do an apprenticeship. Scrap them. Scrap uh, third level education fees if you want to um, invest and in, make it as accessible uh, to get those that kind of training if you want. But like, if you're not, if you want to give out free labour, if you want to, to labour, then just transition jobs is where to should be putting the money in. Um, It's just mad how they're like literally trying to make it sound like it was like this accredited course in a third level college with the workplace experience programme. Same language, literally. Probably copy and pasted. Where actually, what they're doing is just uh, free labor for businesses. Once again, a lovely country that props up
0: businesses. But exactly, like, like it actually blocks the creation of real jobs. Do you mean? uh, uh, So you're seeing it now. One of the biggest industries that's using it so far is creches uh, and childcare, where like you're meant to have proper training. There's already. The childcare industry has one of the lowest wages, uh, uh, low wage sectors for what is very trained, very qualified, and very important work. You know, uh, um, uh, but they're one of the biggest users of it. But it it has an impact. If you, if there's four or five or six companies, or there's a couple of childcare companies in an area using this scheme, then like uh, that creates a downward pressure on, on other companies that like also use it. I'm like, why would you go and create an actual job if you can get somebody in to do it for free? Because it costs the company. Nothing, you know, just on the unions thing. So, it, 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 what's good? Jawbridge won when we were. I was involved in that campaign, Scambridge back then, um, and like it took a while to get going. But I think because of the experience of Jawbridge one like people are quicker off the market coming out against JobBridge Two So I think mandate have like adopted a position that they're against it. I see Michael Taft, who's an economist now, he's got a very good article like criticising it. Uh, um, I know I saw Unite Hospitality were highlighting, uh, um, like a, sh- a shocking example of them uh, of a company looking for a kitchen assistant to like you know clean the dishes and stuff like that unpaid um so you're starting to see even though the scheme is less than a month old you're starting to see that kind of opposition coming out and the students unions as was mentioned ucdsu was out protesting so you do get a sense that like there could be action here but i all and there could be building enough of a critical mass to try to like oppose this in the autumn and scrap it but i do also think that like we need to be as you were saying pointing towards the alternative, to, you know, scrapping apprenticeship schemes. But also they're talking about this being spending maybe 150. One report said 180 million euro on this. Like for for 150 million euro, you could pay uh, 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 5,000 people, 30 grand a year. You could create like real jobs. Do you know what I mean? Um, but instead they're going to spend the money essentially just like lining the pockets of companies with, with free labor, you know?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think like one of the things on this, so like in the original campaign... You know we were talking about, like, working class people who, like, defend the billionaires because they think one day they're going to be a billionaire. Uh, the thing that we often got is that people, like, like people do, like, have a, like, develop, like, like, a small group of people develop, like, this bad attitude to, like, unemployed people. They're like, God, oh, you should work for their doll, you know? And, like, they don't realise that this scheme can actually affect them as well. Like, so, uh, Keen gave the example there of the company that takes on, like, so say this laundry, they take on somebody who works for free. Then like in terms of like competition with other laundrettes in the local area, they gain the advantage. So then there's the impetus then that the boss and the other laundrette looks across, sees what grafting cleaners are doing and goes, I'm going to get in on that as well. And then like uh, across the whole industry, then there's a downward pressure um, on wages. And then like if you worked in that industry and you were asking your boss for a pay increase, why would he like give you a pay increase when he can say, sure, I could pay you more. Or could I could just get somebody else to come in and work 30 hours for free. So like, it's bad for all workers. Like, you know, and like people shouldn't be going around thinking that this is a good idea. Like, you know, um, that people are out working for free, like, because it just creates a downward pressure on wages. And as we've seen, like in the previous, uh, scheme that like loads of entry level jobs across loads of industries. So tourism, it, um, like, even, like, lo- lots of retail jobs, entry-level positions became, like, internships, where you had to work for nine months for nothing, like, in the hope that at the end of it you may get a job, like, um, so I think building up the opposition to it across the board, like, in terms of the unions where, like, it's workers and then unemployed and especially young people is, um, is what we should be aiming for and targeting more of these employers.
2: It's literally that thing of like unskilled la- labor is a myth, but free labor is not a myth. And that's what this is it's free labor for businesses. It's just madness. Like, it's madness.
0: But I do think like it comes back kind of to the IPCC stuff that we're talking about, the, the, the climate stuff, which is that there is an opportunity here for a green jobs program. Like, uh, um, in, in America, I don't know if there's this idea, it's kind of a very American phrase. They have like, uh, talk about like a, a green core. Of like you know creating jobs, people to go out. I don't know. I'm not very clued in on this stuff. But like rewetting lands and like cl- doing doing climatey things. Maybe Diana. I'm hoping that Diana will come in and tell us some climatey jobs that could be created. <laughs> um, but like they, they have this notion of a green core. Right? There's a campaign demanding that they create green jobs. Uh, um, paying people a decent wage to go out and actually like help tackle climate change. Also, things like retrofitting homes, you know, uh, with, with insulation, building homes. Uh, um, you know, th- These are actual jobs that we could be creating that could be tackling unemployment, tackling climate change uh, um, and actually providing paid proper jobs, you know, rather than these kind of scams. You know?
3: Yeah, I think it's particularly ironic, like that one of the main sectors that's exploiting this is childcare, you know. Um, given that the government at the same time as they're like paying shady childcare operators you know wages of of people to come in and you know work for hardly anything um, at the same time they're supposed to be uh, committed to establishing a publicly funded childcare system like they've been talking about this for years and this is doing the exact opposite like this is a direct intervention by the government to drive down wages and conditions in childcare at the same time as they've published in a load of reports from the Department of Children and all that you know saying that there's massive high um, turnover of childcare workers they can't get anyone to stay because the the working conditions are so bad and the pay is so so low you know Um, so it's directly going against what they're supposedly um, committed to Um, and childcare is actually a perfect example of like a green job because it's a very low carbon job like when people think um, of green jobs, they tend to think of stuff like you know um, building renewable energy infrastructure, or retrofitting, um, which obviously are green jobs. But it's also about a lot more than that. It's about a shift um, to jobs that don't just produce carbon in general. So the whole kind of care industry, like this whole health system in Ireland is massively understaffed. We need to hire loads more healthcare workers, loads more childcare workers, and then there's other kind of jobs that are also green that you kind of think of like say investigative journalism you know um but like what capitalists or what wants to pay for that podcasting green job podcasting (laughs) so that's why you should sign up on our
0: patreon so that we can know nobody's this isn't a job nobody's getting paid i'm afraid
3: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there's just, you could have like a a much more kind of creative jobs as well in like a whole lot of different areas, like say scientific research, like that's a kind of a low carbon job, like um, inventing new vaccines or medicines, you know, like most stuff, like, you know, that's kind of... um, high um, high technology and high skills as well as the whole care economy, a lot of that is going to be low carbon jobs too. Like and it's really the whole kind of future economy that they should be developing. Um, instead of like giving subsidies to to people to displace real jobs, you know.
0: I suppose sort of connected to all that is this the uh, like the woman's actual housing plan. Um I don't know if people have seen that there they've kicked that to touch again. Uh, it was meant to be launched a couple of weeks ago. Housing for all, which is really annoying. That the, like housing for all is like our demand. It's the demand of the left, and then they're just like taking our language. But anyway, they're going to, un- but they were going to unveil their housing for all. But it seems to have caused big rows within government. Uh, um, and they've kicked it to touch till September now. Uh, um, but uh, I don't know if anybody's been following any of that. The housing stuff. Yeah,
2: like they're all like fighting over it because uh, Pascal wouldn't give Dara the money for this this top-up grant for first-time buyers to buy vacant homes or something like that but like they don't even know how many vacant homes there are in the country so like why are you trying to create schemes like disaster anyway like it doesn't sound like a very well-thought-out or costed plan as it is and then yeah like it, it that is so annoying as well about the name that the housing for all it's like it's complete whitewashing what it is like and like you know regardless of the reasons of why it's delayed or whatever like We have been in a housing crisis for a while now. The government have been in in place for like well over a year. Like, why is it taking so long to produce a plan? Like, we need to, like, and I know what I can say, oh, well, COVID and all this, COVID and all that. like the minister's brief is there like he's supposed to be working on housing regardless um and like I I feel like all of this delay and delay of this housing plan like even if you look back at the last one that they did Fianna Gael took them 100 days to do one when they got into government why is it taking so long here it's like it's like he's creating more airspace for the lobbyists to come in and tell him what is and what isn't what he should be doing um and he doesn't know which way he's being pulled so he's just delaying and delaying it like and I don't know if anyone else saw the article during the week around um the first ever so-called like affordable housing plan that I think was done by a co-op or whatever was actually showing back up on the private market now at inflated rates because the law wouldn't allow them to put in clauses that would have stopped um, them selling it back into the the back to the housing co-op, which would have been much easier. You could have done a circular thing, keep it affordable, you know, and blah, blah, blah. blah. Then, you know, a month ago, we were looking at, two months ago, we were looking at like, Traveler accommodation in Waterford, the developments there being blocked by government parties, but as well so called left parties like Sinn Fein councillors went against their own party policy to block traveler accommodation down here. Like at the end of the day, like this plan is just going to be another, we all know it's just going to be transfer wealth to landlords and speculators. And honestly, I don't know why we're even holding our breath at this stage. Like just get them out. Like get them out. There should be uproar. We should all be going to the protests in October um, and make sure that those protests unseat. Uh, Dara and the lot of them. <laughs> the lot of them. Um, because at this stage there's like we can hold out hope for what's going to be and what's going to be out and speculate all we want, but at the end of the day, it's going to be pilot right.
0: That that affordable housing thing, Okulon oh, oh, cool um development, it's it didn't really get much coverage, but it's, it's actually it's madness, like you know, because I remember a couple of years ago that was the that was the only affordable housing that was being shouted from the rooftops. It was cause celebra. Um, and now like they the state funded and built affordable houses and now they're just private housing and it's just being sold off at a profit um uh, uh, and it's like literally just the privatization of public uh resources and that's like part of what's like i remember when i was on uh, i was on limerick council for my sins at one stage and dealing with somebody that was uh renting a house they were on hap they were renting a house that was like a former council house they were paying through the teeth for this former council house and um, and on top of the council the council were paying like 400 i can't remember but the council were paying a big chunk of the rent and then the other person had to pay a top up on top of it so like like huge amounts of public money going renting a house that like the public built 50 years ago but now it's sold off and you're renting it back and it's like the only people that this benefits are are Private landlords, which a lot of whom are TDS, it seems. But yeah. did anybody see the uh, the Daft the Daft.ie report during the the week?
2: Yeah, I was just having a little cry that like affordable city like Waterford, where I'm from, um, rents gone up eleven point seven percent in the last quarter. Like eleven point seven percent in Waterford. Like, where are we going with that? Like,
0: is not is it not Waterford?
2: Whoa, friend, sorry. I'm not I'm originally not from there, so I haven't had to you know. I'm, I'm blowing, so uh, I can say blah properly, though. That's about it. Uh,
1: wasn't <laughs> like the blah, that's wasn't
2: <laughs> But blahs don't build houses and they don't bring down the rents either, apparently. In fact, they might be bringing them up because everyone's moving out of Dublin now with remote working and stuff, and they're moving into kind of like areas that would have had cheaper rents and cheaper houses like Waterford and Sligo and places like that and it's driving up the the prices and yeah like I don't know why anyone in Waterford whose um wages went up 11.7% in the last couple of months anyway definitely not but it doesn't seem to be any end in sight like but like what would the dubbing figure something like two grand a month now is there is what people are paying for rent like
0: Maybe, maybe the left should come up with a new. Should, for years, we've been calling for rent controls and bring rent down bring, bring rents down. Maybe instead, we should propose a policy that all wages are linked to rents. You know what I mean? So <laughs> rents have doubled in the past ten years, so wages should be doubled. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, Dave, did, you
2: see, you, did you see what happened in Berlin? Actually, um, Berlin have um, basically said that they're going to put it to referendum. That uh, and I can't remember the exact figures. But vulture funds essentially will have to sell back uh, the that basically they're just going to claim back a load of um, houses and apartments co- corporate from,
0: landlords, all the corporate yeah, landlords, yeah, from be- all the
2: corporate landlords, all the vultures are just going to take the houses back. I think that's going to referendum. And essentially, I think it's like anyone who has owned over like 600 houses or something ridiculous um, will have to give them back to the state, which is pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, it's very good. And I think that's, they're hoping that that vote could be in September or something like that. It'll, it'll be, we should try to get somebody on to talk from Berlin to talk about it because it's, mm. um, it is uh, really interesting. And the other, we were talking last week to somebody from Sweden about, um, like, they have a very interesting rent control model there that the government was trying to get rid of. Um, but they have a system whereby, like, rents are negotiated. There's strong tenants' unions that have, like, a seat at the table. And then whenever there's uh, re- changes to rents, it has to be negotiated with those unions. Uh, um, but, yeah, there is lessons there to be learned as to, you know, when you build strong people power movements, you can you can get the goods, you know. Um, but, yeah, and then there's these protests coming up in in – there's one in September – and September 15th when the, the doll reopens and one on October. I, I wonder, what's the feeling, uh, um, what's the, the mood out there? Will we see, it's kind of, it'll be the first test, it's the first time we're back on the streets really post-COVID, I suppose.
1: Yeah, well, for the last two weeks we were out in doing like a stall every day. Um Monday to Friday, you know, you set up a table, you give people a leaflet, get them to sign a petition. Um and like people are hopping mad about it. Um so like we were advertising a public meeting which hadn't like it was on Zoom and everyone sick of Zoom meetings. Um but like there was still thirty or forty people turned up to it. Um and then like we were advertising for uh, this protest on the fifteenth of September at the doll, and then there's another one that's called by the national Housing and Homelessness Coalition, and then there's one on the 2nd of October called by uh, Raise the Roof. Um, but, like, people are, like, they're hopping mad about it, you know? Um, and it will be interesting to see, like, post-Covid, do people, like, turn out? Um, but I do think it's one of those ones that, like, like, when you're talking about Dara O'Brien and his new plan, like, like this must be about the 25th plan that we've had since, like, 2011. Like, because you had the Coveney plans, you had Owen Murphy's plans, you had... Alan Kelly's plans, you had whoever was before him's plans, and, like, they've all done... Like, they're going to they're gonna
0: build houses, they're going to, like, all these big plans that they printed out, they're going to use them as bricks to actually build houses, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: <laughs> so if it's just a re... Like, they've, they've all just been reheated, uh, you know, like, every so often, uh, and republished, like, and they make a big deal about it, like, so... Like, the idea that there's going to be something, like, radically different than this is... Um, it's, it's probably not going to happen. Like, if you remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about, like, a cost-rental model that had profit in it, like, you know? um, And you're like, cost-rental, that's, like, the point of it, you know? Um, But I do think, like, based on the reaction we are getting off people, like, there are, um, I think probably from COVID, like, people who live in overcrowded accommodation, like, you know, you have three or four generations of a family in one house, they've been locked in together for like, 18 months or whatever, like, people see how unrealistic it is that, like, things continue on uh, that way. You have people now who are facing, like, these massive rent hikes because those rents weren't increased last year. So I do think everything's coming to a boiling point, but does it, like, is this the actual time compared to all the times in previous years where, like, all the anger and the frustration, like, actually, like, explodes onto the surface rather than just being, like, this, like, anger and sentiment in society that, like, something needs to be done that's the real that's the real question
3: like i think there is quite a significant th- kind of shift happening though in terms of the housing crisis just like affecting more and more people like there's only like a small section of society that isn't really affected by it at this stage which would be like you know the very wealthy people who own their own homes and like don't have any adult children who can't find anywhere to live or or to rent or don't have adult children still stuck at home like it's getting to be like an increasingly small percentage of the population who are just totally unaffected by this on a personal level you know so I think it's getting to a real critical mass and then the other big thing I think that's happened as well um, over the last number of months you had the whole uproar about um, vulture funds buying up whole housing estates um, which led to just this spotlight being shown on the massive role of vulture funds being involved into the country and buying up huge amounts of rental housing like people kind of knew it was happening but just the scale of it like I was reading just the other day um, just leading on to what you were saying there keen about the rip off of you know the the state um, paying you know HAP to private landlords it's something like about 40% of HAP total HAP budget is going to corporate landlords at the moment you know they have come into this in a massive way all of your um, REITs and um, vulture funds um, are just making millions 128 million in 2019 was paid out to institutional landlords through the HAP scheme and then as well as that you have the um, leasing of huge amounts of social housing on long term leases like for 25 years where the state still doesn't own it at the end of it um, to the same corporate landlords like which is just a, a massive rip off and and just a huge... Handover of wealth basically. Um, And I think they're kind of a better target um, for the left in that, like, they're these, like, kind of faceless foreign vulture capitalists that are coming in here. Everyone has associations of them coming with NAMA after the banking crash and everything as well. Whereas, like, previously would always be this kind of bullshit about, oh, the poor accidental landlord, you know, they're the ones who'll be affected by if we're doing anything on rents. But actually, no, it's these um, huge, big international capitalist interests who were the ones who were really driving up wealth and really you know, and making a fortune on this. And they were the ones who were in the ear of the government whenever they were bringing in like the so-called rent controls of the 4% rent increase a year. Um, there was massive lobbying going on at that time from the vulture funds um, to Fine Gael. And they're the main ones who are blocking um, stuff being done on it now as well. And I think people are more aware of that. So hopefully that can help kick things off a bit more like in September when the protests start again, you know.
0: Like billions of euro being spent subsidising private landlords, many of whom are slum landlords as well. Big corporate vultures, uh, uh, um, you know. But like, and it's to say, Like, it's like when when people are on three fifty a week, the media are giving out about all these like welfare cheats cheat us all and all that. But like, corporate welfare cheats us all, and um, the billions of euro are being funneled into the pockets of these people, and there's there's like no scrutiny of it really, uh, um, and they get they get away with it. No strings, no strings attached to these companies to get this money, and uh, um like the amount of money, the amount of houses that could actually be built if instead of subsidising private landlords you were using that money to, to build housing. um, you know, it's a, it's a disgrace, you know?
1: Yeah, so I think Diana was saying there just about um like the way like there's the big vulture funds um and I do think like they are like the, the key touch point but I do think like historically we can point out like that like like Ireland for builders has always been the thing. Like we, we can point to like people like Johnny Rowan and all these characters who, like, got bailed out like ten years ago, and now they're back. Like, um, like I think if people saw, like, you know, what I mean, like, there are people who are just obviously out for their own benefit and just housing is the method by which they make their they make their money. Like, and they try to portray themselves as like, uh, dragging the city forward. Like, we see his recent spots with um Dublin City Council, and then there was obviously the stuff then during COVID where he was filmed in, I think, South Africa, partying up while, like, not obeying any COVID, um, like, regulations like, you know, and these people are held up as the great and the good in our society, and like they're not, like, they're they the vermin, like, they're the parasites, like leeching off, leeching off society getting, like, fattening their wallets um, and, like they should be targeted too, you know
2: And we're about We're about to go up with 360 a little bit on as well, like to go back to like what we're talking about around the climate crisis and stuff. And like companies like Barter Capital, who are profiteering off the housing crisis, are now going into sustainable infrastructure. So we're going to see that problem starting to crop up now as well, because there's no way they're doing it for the good of the environment.
0: (laughs) So long as somebody can make profit out of climate change. That's the key thing. That's the key thing, you know. Uh, um, so long as somebody's making money from it I- I'm happy um, alright uh, actually sorry the one other thing that we didn't mention nobody talked about and I, I don't know is uh, we have to give it some mention somebody has to talk about Sipone and uh, uh, the flipping Golfgate Mac 2 as well as Jawbridge 2.0 we have Golfgate 2.0 uh, um, and Poor Varadkar didn't realise, you know, he had to he 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 he, he was misled about what they what was it and what was not allowed, you know. Anybody have anything to say on the old it's a poem Any more of that hatred left in the in you, Dave, there, you know?
1: Any <laughs> <laughs> any more boilers for you. Spew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, loads of it. Um like it's effectively Golf K two like, you know. Um and I do think like that like you know, like, we're at the stage now where you have Varadkar, is like, he's being investigated by the cops, he's, like, whatever else he's done, and now he's caught at this, like, and the guy eventually is going to have to, like, well, he's going to be brought down, it's probably going to be his own arrogance and his own, like, bending of the rules to suit himself that's going to bring himself down. Um, But I think then as well, Vanna Bacic, like, are forced... The first notable thing she does as a TD is have to issue a groveling apology that was more aimed at Alan Kelly than the general public. When when you read it, like, you know, she's like, I apologize to Alan Kelly. He was okay. did Did it say this? Well, no, that was my my interpretation of it. Um, oh, <laughs> but yeah, I think like I'm like I think like just like over the last while we've seen people's frustrations with like thing like lockdown going on so long and then like semi reopening and now like we're getting there and then like it just like emphasizes that the whole way through COVID there's been one law for or one rule for you know like the elites or, or whatever and then one rule for the rest of them. And tied up in it is actually the whole Zapone thing about her getting that position as the UN special envoy, like you know, which she ended up having to to give back. So it's all
0: so sad. Couldn't have happened to a oh wait, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, Zapone as the like representative to speak up for freedom of protest and freedom of speech after proving herself in the in the Jobstown uh, uh, protest where she tried to get the protesters locked up, you know, but and know. Um it's good to see. Good to see her suffer. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Go on. The whole thing is just so kind of like small time, petty, bending rules by, you know, the elites as well, you know. Um, Like I remember when Zippone was a TD, she had this thing where she calculated like a slightly longer distance for her to drive into the doll so that she could get like a couple of grand extra in her travel expenses. And this is just such a stroke as well, like just manufacturing this makey-uppy job and then holding a party for people around the same time. It's just like, ugh, you know.
2: (laughs) You know, it's just like yeah well it's obviously a lot more right, than, the, than the money like look at the network she's after making like that event for example but uh, the piece i f- find interesting about it obviously is like the fact that the law was literally changed so that we couldn't say oh you broke the law well actually no It just changed the law and like how is that part of our democracy right now it's really really worrying but like how many things have we tried to get to change the law retrospectively to actually protect people and we've been told no like like when the co-living ban came in and then we had to wait a while for it to come in and la la la. And then the planning applications that were already in that hadn't even been assessed, they were going to just go through the planning process anyway. Um, so by the, by the time that the ban actually came in for the co-living ban, all of the co-living planning applications that already got in. There wasn't even a plan, like, oh, there was so many there that could have been stopped and there wasn't even, um, the soil wasn't even turned. And yeah, we couldn't apply the, the, the law. Retrospectively, there no couldn't do it to them, no. But we can do it for Leo, not a
0: her. It's it's worse than that. It's like extreme nineteen eighty four stuff. It's like we were always at war with Eurasia. It's that like the the, the, the the that that law that you thought existed that like did never existed. It was never the case. Like it was. They're they're claiming that you could always do this. Uh, um, like even. Folge Ireland didn't seem to know people that were planning, you know, family gatherings, that would have liked to have birthday parties, they would have liked to be able to do all of that stuff. So they, they didn't know that you weren't allowed to that you're that you were allowed to do this. um uh, but it's yeah, it's they just it's not even that they went back and changed it. They claimed that that was never the case. The whole thing was like that scene, you know, when your man comes out of the shower and you imagined it all. There was never a lockdown. There was, there was never COVID rules. It was all just in your, in your dreams. The whole uh, I
2: mean, gaslighting. The whole okay. country has just
1: been gaslit. Did you see the senator on... Um, like, when they couldn't get a minister to go out and defend Varadkar, so on prime time, they wheeled out some random senator that no one's ever heard of before or will again like and he came out with this like crazy line where he was like "Um, that it was it was against the guidelines but it was legal or something like something like that like it was just like it was like it reminded me of Regina Daugherty's um, uh, what was her thing about something being not compulsory but it's mandatory like you know so like this guy was just like pulling stuff out of his ass to try and like defend for anchor, like
0: it's like, it's like that thing from Friends where it's like, oh, it's not a, it's not a, it's not, it's not banned. It's just frowned upon. And then you know, oh no, it, it, it is banned. <laughs> uh, um. but anyway, okay, we will leave it there. I've all uh, we 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 should wrap it up. It's gone on long enough now, and I've mentioned Friends. So uh, um, we we'll, I think we will leave it there. Unless there's any final words. Uh, um. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, for sharing, and particularly those supporting us on Patreon. As I said, we're, we're very excited to be getting some help now editing the podcast, improve our sound quality, but also hopefully free us up to be doing more of these panels and some other big projects that we have in the uh, the pipeline. We've also, we've launched a €2.50 tier on Patreon as well. Uh, so for all of those skinned followers, you can still chip in and, and buy a cup of coffee for, for Tiernan, our, our new sound editor. So if... That's not a runner for you. That's fair enough. You can still help us out by giving it a review on iTunes, talking about the podcast with your friends. Friends? Friends, family, <laughs> campaigns you're involved in, uh, union branches, whatever, uh, uh, spread the word and get help us reach more people. Um, and also, thanks again, especially to all our panelists and especially to, to Michelle from Week at Work. I would encourage you, if you're not already subscribed, to make sure to check out Week at Work to double your podcast uh, uh, listing uh, um, from the left. Uh, uh. But yeah, all right, Sean. Sure. See you all. Bye.